Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. Galatians 5 verse 5 says, But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised us. In the New Living Translation, or in the Amplified Translation, it says, We anticipate. We Take on a different posture so that we can receive by faith the righteousness which is God's goodness, which is His blessing that He has promised. And we need to posture ourselves to eagerly await it. Can I give you another example of eagle? I love running. We love running. How many of you know that of me? By now you should know that. All right. So when you go run a 42K marathon and you stand and you look at the, the, the starting line, how many of you know there are some people that choose to stand in the front and some who choose to stand where? At the back. Have you ever been at the start of a race? Anyone here? Put your hands up who's been at the start of a running race. Okay? Have you seen the guys in the front? They, they, how do they stand? Huh? They're like, right? They're standing like this. Okay? Ready to go. Me and Justin, we, we ran a race beginning of the year and we were late, so we had to stand in the front. How many of you know we didn't take position in the middle with the boys? You know, we, we, we stood, you know, kind of to the side because those guys are ready. <laughs> we were ready to complete it, but not ready to compete. Does that make sense? <laughs> so those guys are standing in the front there. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for the gun, right? <laughs> but if you go to the back... There's some people there that are like, what am I doing here again? (laughs) Why am I doing this again? At the start of the comrades at the back, I was amongst, you know, not that I always start at the back, but, you know, (laughs) there were some guys who were sitting until after the gun went because it's like, okay, here goes a day of running. And some of us, we approach our spiritual lives like that. We, we're either ready to run the race that God has given us with faith, with passion, or we're kind of like, oh, do I have to go through another challenge? Uh, I'm going to come to church and like, oh, pull me a little closer. <laughs> Take me a little deeper, not so deep, but deep. (laughs) 
I do want to know you, God, you know. (laughs) And here we are on the best day of the week, ready to receive Cecil Power, Holy Spirit. How many of you are old enough to remember that advert with the baby in the pram? That little girl was apparently a boy and he already has a beard or something like that. So, <laughs> or the other way around. Okay. So, I mean, in real life, the actor who was a baby is already a full grown adult. That's what I meant. It wasn't saying something weird there, you know, like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so you're ready to go. And. I just want to say your anticipation, your eagerness to receive God's goodness is the only thing that's going to enable you to see God's goodness. David said, what would have become of me if I hadn't expected to see the goodness of God in the land of the living? I can't remember where it is, but it's a good verse. What would have become of me? In other words, if I hadn't expected to see his goodness, I will not have seen his goodness. Now we currently are receiving fiber in front of our fiber or fiber optics in front of our yard, right? So it means there's disruption. Some guy with a pickaxe appeared to chop up our driveway and the neighbor's driveway. Neighbor is not happy. Me, I'm expecting goodness. Fast goodness. At least 10 megs up and 10 megs down. But if I didn't expect goodness, I would be upset that my hedge has been dug up and thrown in the road, that my driveway has been a pile of rocks for two weeks, that there's disruption. You see, some people don't want disruption, but when they see disruption, that's all they see. Instead of keeping their eyes focused on the goodness and the blessing in the land. What would have become of me? So in Judges 6, I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Judges 6 verse 6. Look at this. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Refers to A, what God was seeing, but it also refers to and can refer to the way the Israelites saw things. So they did not see things the way God saw things. They did not position themselves with expectancy, with expectation with anticipation, but they allowed and followed false gods. They looked away from what God had promised them. How many of you know 
You only look away from what God has promised you when you no longer look through the way that God sees things. Does that, make, is that even good English? <laughs> when you no longer see his promises, you look away from God. And you try and find other forms of blessing, as the Israelites did. And it says the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. And the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. This is, sorry, it's Judges 6 verse 1 to 6. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. Listen to what the word is saying. Camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat. Taking all the sheep, the goats, the cattle and the donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation. And then the Israelites cried for help. Psalms 107, I want to go back to last week and it's the fourth point that I never got to. It says, some go down to the sea. And travel over on it in ships. Psalm Psalm 107 verse 23. Some go down to the sea and travel over on it in ships to do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Referring to the fact that if you go out on a little rubber duck in the middle of the Pacific. You get to see how big God is. Because out there, you have how much control? Zero. When the wind is gusting to 220 knots, and the waves are 90 feet high, and a blue whale throws your rubber duck to one side, and an albatross poops in your boat you realize I have zero control and so often it's only then that someone says "Um, let me get my generator out and activate backup faith you with me? Friday night, our electricity went out. I came home. I was ready for a relaxed evening of hamburgers. And just as we were about to pop it in the grill, out of control. <laughs> the emotions are running high. What was a relaxed family evening became two hours of, come on. (laughs) And then we want to ask 
for help. Okay, so back to the rubber duck. Back to the Israelites and the Midianites. They have no more control. And then in Psalm 107, it also says, And then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He hushes the the storm to a calm and a gentle whisper, so that the waves of the sea are still, and then men are glad because of the calm, and he brings them to their desired haven, to their blessing. And here's Gideon, Sion. And Gideon is harvesting in a hidden place. Because if the Midianites see his harvest, they're going to come and destroy it. And just see how God brings peace and calm. And it says, And the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah. Not Oprah Winfrey, just Oprah, right? Which belonged to Joash, the tree belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiza. And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing the wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And Gideon replies, If the Lord is with us, why? Has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? You see, if you're not positioned and expectant for God to intervene in your storm, to hush and quiet your storm, to bring peace, If you're not expecting God, then when he appears, you don't initially see him. And some people don't see Jesus because they're asking why and where. Why did this happen to us? And where is God anyway? There was a boat that happened to go out to sea. And in it, there was a guy called Jonah, right? And the storms came up. And I love it how when the storms came up, they asked, why? Who done it? Whose fault is it? Right? You know the story. And so they cast lots. And Adam and Jonah got the short stick. And then he was like, yeah, it's me. (laughs) Throw me overboard and you will be saved. There was another boat. And in it, there was another person. His name also started with a J. Jesus, right? What happened when Jesus was on the boat and a storm came up? He took a nap. What was Jesus anticipating in the midst of the storm? 
How did he position himself? How did Jonah position himself? He positioned himself for judgment. Throw me overboard. How did Jesus position himself in the storm? For peace. It's three o'clock. I'm going to take a nap, y'all. And his men wake him up and he's like, why so serious? Why are you guys so afraid? And he gets up and he's like, be still. Jesus calms and hushes the storm. When some people find themselves in a storm or surrounded by Midianites and locusts, they want to do one of three things. The one thing is they want to give up. Right? How many of you don't want to give up? Like just, I don't have the strength. That's how they position themselves. Or if you watch the Titanic, there are some people that ran for the lifeboats and don't care about everyone else. I just felt like God was saying we want to then do things in our own strength. How many of you know that when you do things in your own strength, it's kind of like running for the lifeboat. It's putting everyone else around you aside and hoping that you will be saved. Instead of asking God to come and calm the storm. And then third, there are those that really genuinely believe that Jesus will calm the storm. They're not jumping overboard. They're not allowing their families to drown in turmoil. Their churches, their countries, their nations, you name it, to collapse with them. They're saying, we're going to invite Jesus into the situation to calm and bring peace to the storm. And so they take a position of expectation. So Gideon is there. And I kind of like, I kind of imagine like Jesus having the voice, because it says the angel of the Lord appeared with him. And if you go read up on the angel of the Lord, it speaks about, a prophetic incarnation of Jesus that would arrive. It would be Jesus himself who would arrive in an angelic form in the Old Testament. And he arrives and, and <laughs> I kind of hear Jesus speaking in, in Tony Stark's voice. You know who Tony Stark is? He's Iron Man in the Avengers. And I hear Jesus saying, God is with you. And Gideon is like, but why? Gideon is like, he's like um, why has all this happened to us? And, 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 and if God is really with us, and I, and I hear him saying, no, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really with you. Like, like I'm, I'm really here now. You, can you almost that sarcastic, you know, like, God is with you. No, but where and why? And he's like, no, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm here. And then Gideon's like, and where are all these promises and what, what, what? And, and Jesus is just like, anyway, be strong. <laughs> like, like, 
Like he's not going to get into the, the whys and the, and the whats and the reasoning and, the, and all of that. And, and we spend so much time as people thinking and reasoning that if we could only figure out the why, what, when, if we could only hold those people to account, if we can only get this fixed, if we can only do... I mean, I've been in those kind of arguments in my kitchen where we're trying to figure out the why... Have you ever been in that endless, cycled conversation, figuring out the why? Because when you figure out one why, the other party figures out another why. And then you figure out another why on top of that one, and then it's three hours later and you've been talking about the whys. And the what's, and the where is God anyway in this. Jesus wasn't going to let Gideon go there. If you read it, it's just like, where and why? And Jesus is like, be strong. Anyway, forget about that. This is about you now and your position and the strength that you have. You're either going to go back and try and figure out the whys and the where's and the why nots. Or you're going to position yourself to rescue your nation. You're going to position yourself in anticipation of seeing God's goodness, regardless of the storm, regardless of the accusations that have come against you. Regardless of the voices that have spoken doubt and negativity and caused you to be afraid and to wonder. Jesus says, anyway, be strong. Because you're going to rescue your nation. And then he's like, but I'm... I'm I'm from the smallest clan and I'm the youngest guy in my family. I don't even know if my dad likes me. I don't even play with the guys in break. I mean, he was a bit older than that. He was in his late 30s. And then the angel told him to do something which I think was more difficult to do than to face the Midianites with 300 men in the middle of the night armed with lavender candles and harps and flutes (laughs) and an electric guitar for effect. God told him to position his father's family in faith. And he told him to go into his father's house and break down the altar to bowl that had been created. And to take the wood that was used to create the altar and to take his dad's Second best Mercedes Benz. 
his dad's second best boo, who was seven years old, and to offer it as an offering to God on a new altar that is created. And, and, the, and the Bible says something very specific. He says here in um, Judges 6.26, Then build an altar to the Lord your God right here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. In the Amplified Bible, it says, take the stones and build an altar to God and lay the stones in the right order. When did the Israelites cry for help? After the Midianites had come. When do we praise God? Before. We establish our lives in praise so that our homes and our families and our churches and our countries and our cities do not fall to ruin but are established as an altar to God in the right order because we establish our lives in praise. Thanks, Eugene and Leon. <laughs> we establish our lives in the right order. If there are things in your life that do not originate in praise or from praise, then they shouldn't be there or they are there too early. Because whatever your hand finds to do, we remember we read last week that God wants you to enjoy the fruit of your hands. Come on, someone help me. Is that what the Bible says? Zoe says yes. Ethan says yes. Any more yeses? Wrong. The Bible says it wants you to enjoy the work of your hands. So many people are so focused on enjoying the fruit of their work of the hands instead of enjoying the work of their hands that their lives are not established in praise. No wonder they can't enjoy the work of their hands because praise and celebration is the start of everything you do not the end result of everything you do free revelation <laughs> so when you set yourself up in anticipation and expectation expectancy you start in praise. You work from a place of joy, not to joy. And when you work to joy, you will be dissatisfied. Because God satisfies fully from the start. 
It's where you work from. It's why it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has already received fruit that he gives freely and he gives it to you. You receive it and you live from it, not for it. So many psychology sessions end with you're unhappy because what you have received does not meet your expectation. What if it started off with you're happy because you have set yourself up from what, from what you have already received. You're working from what you have already received out of praise. You set yourself up for God's goodness. And you're not trying to find it from somewhere else. And so Gideon had to go. Middle of the night. He's still afraid. <laughs> the angel said, go in peace. You will not die. And he went and he tore down the altar to Baal. And he built on it the altar and he sacrificed and offered the bull to God. And the next morning the people of the town said, who did it? We're going to find that guy, we're going to kill him. And Gideon's dad defends him. And he says, if Baal is real, let him defend himself. And that became... Gideon's name. Imagine if that was your name. <laughs> Hi, my name is, if Paul is real, let him defend himself. <laughs> you see, what God did through him offering an altar was set him up in expectation. And from that moment, Gideon went clothed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. That all Gideon had to do to gather the armies was blow a trumpet in the sound of praise and the armies gathered. And then they had to find men that were deeply spiritual. Men that were relaxed and expecting a victory. And guess how many people were expecting a victory out of 30,000? 300. I pray that's not a real fraction of today's believers. If we've got people in church and people in the body of Christ who go to church, that, that there's not just a small fraction of believers that they will actually see God's goodness. But you know what? Even if there is only three people or 300 people, or 3,000 people who believe they will see God's goodness in a country like South Africa, then just because of those 300, or 3, or 3,000, if they lift up a sound of praise, if they declare God's goodness, if they actively position themselves expecting to see the goodness of God in the land, then what will we see? Hello? 
That was a good place to go, the goodness of God. (laughs) Don't look out the windows. Don't read the news. Don't let it define your reality. Let the praise of God define your reality. Let the sound of the voice of God determine the course and history of our nation and the world. And I feel, and I said this last week, and, and using the sea analogy, I feel like God is calling everyone to hands on deck. Believers have been coasting for too long, just enjoying the sea breeze and the fish and chips, the smell of salt water. Sometimes there will be storms, but it's time then for us to be ready to see God's goodness, to expect Him to show up in every area of our lives. It's time for real revival faith. For the body of Christ, for the sons of God to be revealed. That's what the earth is waiting for. The Bible says the earth is waiting in anticipation for the sons of God to be revealed. In other words, God created this earth so that sons of God will live on it, so that we will experience the glory of God on earth, so that what Jesus taught us to pray, may your kingdom come on earth, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If the earth is waiting in expectation, then shouldn't the sons of God? Psalms 107 that we were on last week repeats the chorus over and over again. It says, oh, that men would praise, that they would position And themselves, this is my interpretation of the word praise, that they would position themselves in expectation. Let's read that again. Oh, that men would praise and confess to the Lord for his goodness and loving kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them also exalt him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the company of of the elders. Habakkuk 3 verse 2 in closing. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again. Revive your works as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember mercy. I leave that with you. I've heard all about you. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again. 
revive your works. May that be our prayer, our request to God, that he will revive his works. I'm praying that God will revive his works in such a way that people will recognize God is in the house. That it won't be about whether churches are doing well or doing good or that preacher's awesome or that band is amazing. Or, but it will be that when you walk in the door, the presence of God is real and tangible He is meeting needs. He's answering prayers. That there will be a great, 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 great revival again of his works. It's funny. We go through cycles. We go through cycles of great revival. And then it's like people kind of get used to revival. And then get back into like the normal way of doing things. But God wants to restore his presence in all churches. Let it, let it be the end that churches are used for people's own needs in God's name. But that the focus of the congregation is the sound of praise, the sound of God's voice. And his goodness. And may he set us free in that. But also, may we see the work of Jesus Christ in our communities. Putting a definite end to sinful nature, immoral acts, things that destroy communities. There is no evil too great for God. There is God's goodness. And we've got to expect it. And see revival. Can we trust him for that? Are you encouraged by that in your own life? Awesome. Then let's stand. Oh God. (laughs) Lord this morning we want to ask. That you will revive us. That you will revive our spirits. And our hearts to expect and see you. Help us to position ourselves in such a way. Jesus, you used to say, let those who have eyes see. Let those who have ears hear. Father, we pray and ask that you'll give us those eyes and those ears to expect and see your goodness. With that, the courage to trust for And believe in your miraculous works. That we will have the courage to pray into every area. To believe God for the supernatural in every area. That we won't back down, ship out, run away. But that we'll stand firm in the promises you've given us. Father, thank you that you've blessed us with your spirit that transforms us into your very children. You've done a great work in our midst. God, we ask that that great work 
will flow out into our communities. That our nation and this continent will be known for the peace that it harbors and it carries. That we will expect to see your goodness. And that we will live energized by the sound of glorious praise. And Jesus, we commit our lives to you. We thank you that you opened up a way to be loved by God the Father. That you cleared us of our past, that we don't have to ask why or what or where or even where were you, God. But that in your presence, we can receive the full power of forgiveness. That you will energize us to forgive. Give us a supernatural strength to forgive those that have hurt us. And that we'll no longer live in that past. But be strengthened with a new, a brand new expectation and anticipation. To see your goodness in the land of the living. We declare that South Africa is the land of the living. We thank you for what you're doing in our churches, amongst our people, and in our communities. That you're giving us a new strength that rests not in our own physical strength, but rests in the full power of God at work in us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.